0: Thanks for downloading this show from PC One. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production.
1: I'm so glad you're with us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. You have a question for me on the show, clark.com slash ask, but there's more. You can get answers to your questions off the air. We offer free off the air advice. It's been a service of our show for right just a little less than 25 years where you can talk with a member of Team Clark for nothing. When you go to clark.com on our front screen, go around about halfway down and you'll see how to get the free off the air advice nine hours a day. Coming up in 20 minutes, one of the giant student loan lenders says they're not there to help the people who can't pay their loans. Wait till you hear what they tell the public versus what they've told the courts. And coming up in a half hour, there's a trick of the trade that savvy car buyers use to get a lower price on a car they're buying. I'm going to tell you how it works and how it might save you thousands of dollars. So the apartment business is in a period of transition right now in the United States. We ended up, after the housing bust and all the foreclosures, with a severe shortage of apartments in most of the United States. As a result of that, apartment companies built apartments like crazy. I mean, they added them like mad. And when they did so, what happened was they built and built and built and built until eventually more apartments have been constructed than people generally need in most of the country. So new services are popping up that allow you to bid for an apartment like Priceline lets you bid for a hotel and let the marketplace determine what the rent will be. This can work either in a way where uh, apartments are scarce and landlords want to see how much additional rent they can squeeze out of people or in the case of oversupply of apartments, allow the marketplace to set a rent to fill those units that otherwise would sit empty. It's really brilliant because for apartment companies to figure out what is the optimum rent to charge that gets the highest occupancy is a difficult thing. And I've told you about the moves from big apartment chains where they're now able To price rents on apartments, even changing them hourly, and taking into account that a two-bedroom apartment in one building of a complex may be worth a lot more in rent than a two-bedroom on the other side of the complex because of where it sits, the view it might have, how close it might be to the parking or to the pool or the gym or whatever – I guess it's a pretty fancy apartment complex that has a gym, but you get the idea. This goes a step beyond, and would even allow a landlord that just has a couple of properties to let the marketplace set the rent. One of the people trying this is Rentberry, R-E-N-T-B-E-R-R-Y, and our producer Joel, who has is a real estate mogul and has multiple rental properties, was all excited about this because if you have a tough time trying to figure out when a unit becomes available what to charge
2: it's it's tough to know and uh, you know you can look and see what else is on the market right now and um, kind of trends but sometimes there's not much on the market at that point in time and it's just hard to gauge what the proper asking number should be for the rent and so something like this i think could be really helpful
1: and I read in a Wall Street Journal story about one I had not heard of called Bidwell, which is a Canadian one that's coming to the US, B-I-D-D-Well. And what theirs does is it allows you to negotiate through multiple rounds of bidding till you reach a deal. And so the idea of for the renter, the landlord, And you think of all the different phases of life where you allow negotiation to happen electronically to set what will be the ideal price for something is a potentially great thing for both sides. As a landlord myself, I've been a landlord for how many years? 34 years I've been a landlord. And I have multiple rental properties. And it is a real challenge to try to figure out when a place becomes vacant, what I should be charging is rent. And generally, if a place rents in a blink, I know that I made it too good a deal. On the other hand, if it sits, I know I blew it the other way. Having the marketplace tell me what it's worth is an idea that I think is Ready to make a difference because computer technology makes it so easy to make that happen. Kimberly is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kimberly.
3: Hi, Clark. How are you today?
1: Great. Thank you, Kimberly. You have uh, mm-hmm. a difficult situation in your family. You want to run by me?
3: Yes, I do. I have two siblings, um, both brothers. Um, one has had a long history of addiction, and the other one has had uh, some addiction, but also has had some major health issues.
1: Oh, Um, I am so sorry.
3: Yeah, I know.
1: How old old are your siblings? Uh,
3: They're both, one's 57, and one is uh, 53. So um, one had a transplant as well. So um, my concern is I can't get qualified i can't get them qualified for traditional life insurance you know given these issues and wow uh, so you're basically
1: standing in as the parent for your two brothers is that right
3: no kind of yeah i feel like that most of the time okay (laughs) but they don't they're not neither are married at the time and you know should they pass prior to my death i'm concerned about how i would take care of the end of the life um things that need to be done we also live in different states and um i've seen a lot of um end-of-life insurance offered on television programs and i was just wondering um i know you say don't do whole life yeah but so i need to find a way to get some reasonably cost insurance for both. so you're
1: trying to come up with a way basically you're looking for what historically has been called burial insurance for your two brothers yes so burial insurance many times you can buy it free of a medical exam and usually when you buy a smaller policy that doesn't require medical underwriting the first two years of ownership the policy if one of your brothers were to pass away the policies only pay back to you the premiums you paid in And then after two years, the policies pay the face amount of the policies. And they tend to be today something like $25,000 face amount policies. Okay. They are not good values. In other words, what you pay for them, you're paying a lot for what you're getting. So can we talk alternatives Yeah, I'm open. (laughs) Okay, so one thing I'm a big fan of is joining a co-op, and there are these co-ops around the country where you can do a funeral and a burial at about one-fourth the cost of what they normally would be. And so you you join one of the co-ops, usually for like $25 or $50, and each brother would need a membership, And then at the time of one of their passing, you then contact the co-op and then they're eligible for the very, very low costs for having a funeral and a burial.
3: Okay. And $25, is that monthly?
1: No, no. That's a one-time. You're just buying into the co-op. So it's just a one-time fee for life. Oh, okay. So you just buy into the funeral cooperative. And then it makes you makes that family member eligible for very very inexpensive burial. Or either okay. of your brothers, you said one is um, is he drug or alcohol dependent? One or the other or both?
3: Um, at some point in time, they both have the okay. other. One is one is been he's had sobriety for like maybe seven eight years now.
1: Now are either of your brothers at this point destitute are they neither working or are they on disability of some kind like social security yes. disability the one that
3: um the one that is on disability recently had a transplant
1: okay, so for the one on disability, there may actually be access to a state provided free funeral okay, and did either serve in the military that they might be eligible for uh free services from the veterans administration
3: unfortunately not
1: okay all right so what i'm trying to get to is i think you have in your mind that this is going to be a brutally expensive thing for either of your brothers and you're the only family member who's there to provide for
4: them
3: yes um both of my parents are have preceded us in debt and um so I mean, yes, it would be looked to me to take care of it. Uh, I probably could get some help, but, you know, I would rather have something. And then there may become a time where my finances, you know, because I work and I I do okay, my finances may become to a point to where I don't need to have a policy, but if something should happen now, I'm not in the position to to do it.
1: Well, that's why... I want to encourage you after we hang up to go to funerals.org. Okay. And see if where each of your brothers live in the country if there's one of these co-ops available that you can have them join or join for them. Okay. And the it will it will take this from feeling like a mountain of a burden to something that's really manageable with a cost in many states for a funeral and burial under $2,000, and that's much more in the range of affordability than I think where you're thinking, isn't it?
3: So uh, I am just want to make sure I understand. So what you're saying is that if I join or did memberships for each of them in funeral co-op, it's a potential um, that their services may just be about 2000 Or less.
1: Yeah. Really? In many states, less. I mean, people have no idea... I mean, you'd be surprised, Kimberly, people really don't realize how expensive funerals can be, and then in turn, if you are in one of these co-ops, how inexpensive they can be. So go look at that, see if that would deal with your fears in a more constructive way than you trying to come up with some kind of difficult-to-fund insurance plan because of the pre-existing conditions of each of your brothers, and you're a great sister to be there for your brothers. Today's Clark Rages moment is a special warning to you. If you are a student loan borrower and your loans are with a private lender, there are cases where they even hold over federal student loans, potentially in the hands of a private lender, the warning I have for you is essential for you to never forget.
2: Ripoffs, outrages. It's a clark Regis moment.
1: There's a big student loan borrower called Navient that has come up repeatedly on our show, and they are being sued by the federal government for, well, cheating student loan borrowers that they process loans for. It's, the allegations are, That they purposely, when somebody would have difficulty with their loans, would not make available to them the best options for them so they could get back into good graces with their loans and instead manipulate how the loans were handled so that it would increase the penalties, interest, and total balance due for student loan borrowers. And Navient says, at Navient, our priority is to help each of our 12 million customers successfully manage their loans in a way that works for their individual circumstances. That's what they say. But what did they actually tell the courts in reaction to being sued for purposely taking advantage, allegedly, of student loan borrowers? Quote, There is no expectation that the servicer will act in the interest of the consumer, end quote. So on the one hand, they say, yeah, we're here to help all the borrowers, all the millions of borrowers from us, the 12 million, get the best possible payment conditions that there are. But then they were doing the opposite, and then they tell the court that, They're just doing what's good for them as a business and that no one should expect they do what is best for a borrower. Let this be a warning to you that if you have any hiccup with your student loans, that you cannot rely upon the people you call a customer no service at a private student loan lender. It is your duty, your responsibility to learn what your rights are I have information at Clark.com to guide you through how to handle your student loans. Pay attention. Know what loans you have. Know what the terms and conditions are for paying that loan. And if you hit a hard spot in your life, don't hide from your loans. You actively do what you need to so that you stay in good graces under the law on your loans because did you know that under the revised pay-as-you-earn system, if you lose your job, you can be considered to be staying current even if you can't make payments while you're looking for a new job. But you have to ask. If you don't ask, you don't get better payment terms. It's up to you. You can't trust
2: the lender. Everyone sells today. So how do you bring your best sales game every day Simple. Listen to the Advanced Selling Podcast on Podcast One. Hi, I'm Bill Caskey, And I'm Brian Neal. Each week, we answer listener questions like, how do I compete against a cheap competitor? And Brian's favorite, because he always has an answer to this, how do I meet with a CEO when they won't even return my calls? The Advanced Selling Podcast
0: is where the best go to get better. Listen Mondays on Podcast One and on iTunes.
1: great that you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. When you're looking for deals, ClarkDeals.com. Speaking of deals, as I've told you in multiple ways over the last few months, the car business is running out of gas right now. There's not the demand there was for cars. Automakers are having vehicles pile up at their factories and in storage lots and at dealer lots. So they're making deals. But something I haven't brought up in years because it hasn't been relevant is now very relevant again. And that is that the incentives being offered to dealers to move vehicles off their lots are varying by thousands of dollars on the same make and model based on where the dealer is located. When the market goes soft, it pays to comparison shop for a car all around the country as far as you're willing to fly to and drive a vehicle back. Because you could be talking about a difference of many thousands of dollars in a car in one place versus another because of the incentives being given to the dealer. So most money that the manufacturers throw at a slow-selling vehicle go to the dealer, not to you in rebates. That system that was so heavily rebate-oriented doesn't work that way much anymore. Although there will be times there's direct-to-consumer rebates or cheap financing. The automakers try to keep people from gaming the system like I'm describing by only allowing the rebates based on where you live. But the big money, the direct-to-dealer incentives from the manufacturer, it's not related to you, it's related to them. So As far as I'm concerned, I'm willing to fly 500 miles and then drive a vehicle back home to save money. I talked to a woman recently who bought a vehicle in New Jersey and drove it to, was she from Oklahoma or Texas? I think she was from Texas, and uh, I met her on an airplane, and she drove a vehicle all the way home from New Jersey because it was so much cheaper in New Jersey for that vehicle than it was in, and again, I'm sorry, I don't remember if it was Texas or Oklahoma. But the idea is if you sit down at something, at one of the car pricing things, like I talk about on Clark.com, like True Car if you're USAA, you sign into that, or you're looking at what's available to Costco members or anything like that. Do different zip codes, get the prices for those different zip codes in addition to your own, and if there's enough money difference buying the car somewhere else, today you can buy such cheap one-way airplane tickets, you can make your deal, get everything done in advance, and then get on the airplane and fly to take delivery and drive it home. The savings yours. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, John.
5: Good afternoon, Clark. Thanks for taking my call.
1: My pleasure. You have a question for me about your credit cards.
5: I do. I have. Uh, I'm recovering from some financial setbacks over the last couple of years. And I'm so
1: sorry. Are things better now, John?
5: They're, they're on the up. They're on the uptick. So that's a good thing.
1: I'm so glad. Um,
5: I have amassed around $20,000 in credit card debt, spread over five cards, um, with interest rates varying from 10% to, unfortunately, 249 I, I believe. Um, using the tax refund I just got recently, I went ahead and paid down a good chunk of one of the higher interest cards. Um, but it got me wondering, what is more beneficial, paying off the high interest cards first, so I'm not, so I'm paying less in interest, or paying off the cards that have a lower balance first. So my so my uh, my income or my debt ratio is a lower percentage. Well, your
1: overall debt ratio will be the same either strategy,
5: but they don't go based on per card; they go based on overall.
1: The, the overall is what's really significant is the lion's chunk lion's share of the thirty percent that you're percent of available credit is based on okay so but let's let's go a step further here because twenty thousand dollars in credit card debt that that's a pretty good chunk what kind of annual income do you have at this point
6: Uh, i'm
5: around 60 a year six zero correct
1: oh that's great that's great you should be able to wipe out that credit card debt in about 30 months with that level of income.
5: yeah. I'm, what I'm doing right now is I'm paying around $500 to $550 a month um, towards the highest interest rate card, and then when that's done, um, I'll move on to the next highest interest rate and get that all knocked down. That's, that's,
1: that's exactly you're doing it 100% right. So you pay 500 towards the highest interest rate. All the others, you're just paying minimum. Yes. So in all sum total, what is the minimum... And that five or six hundred, what does that add up to? Is that like eight hundred and something a month?
5: Um, no, it's not. It's not nearly that bad. It's around six fifty total.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So that still that pretty much comes close to what I was talking about with the thirty months, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So I think you're doing exactly the right thing. There is more bang for your buck paying far more than the minimum against that twenty four point nine percent card and then paying minimums towards the others. Psychologically, there are people who are overwhelmed enough by credit card debt that it's worth it as a psychological bump for them to pay against the card with the smallest balance just so that they know, okay, I had seven, now I've graduated to six, and then I graduate to five, and on like that. But from a practical dollars and cents point, you're doing it the right way.
5: I have one other question, if you have a moment. Of course. My, my credit score right now is high 500s, low 600s on the FICO, depending on which score I'm getting from what credit card company. After everything's paid off, realistically, how long before it starts going back up again to a, a more acceptable level?
1: That depends on whether you have no pays and late pays on your credit or anything that's been charged off.
5: I've only had one late pay in the last four years.
1: Oh, great. So once you get this balance paid down, and even once you hit the point that it's 30% of your available credit overall, so you won't even have to have paid everything off, but once you hit that 30% threshold, your score will have moved up by huge amounts. Okay. And 30% is kind of like equilibrium. As you go above 30%, your score goes down and down and down. The higher you go above 30% utilization. And as you go below 30% utilization, your score goes up, but it goes up more gradually below the 30%, then it goes down more rapidly above the 30%. Makes sense. So your greatest impact will start showing up about a year from now. And then we'll only get better from there.
5: Thank you for taking my call and uh, good talking to you again, sir.
1: And I'm so glad that financially things are healing so well for you, John. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mike.
5: Hi, Clark. How
7: are you?
1: Great, thank you. You have a question about your teenager?
7: I do. Um, I'm going to be moving, or possibly moving, uh, career-wise, um, a few states away, and. I am wondering, my son, my 15 year old will be coming to visit me a couple of times a month. And I'm wondering as far as the flying flights go, if it would be, uh, to my benefit to either just shop fare each time or, um, which I would shop each time anyway, or stick with one airline and build up the sky miles or, you know, the miles for that particular airline. Um, and definitely
1: don't worry about frequent flyer miles on Sky Miles' Deltas program. Don't worry about miles on any airline for a pattern like that because what will matter for your teenager coming to see you is what's the cheapest price. The other thing that you want to check, how old is your teenager?
7: Uh, he'll be 15 in April.
1: So at 15 on most every airline, he can fly free of unaccompanied minor charges, which can be more than the cost of the ticket. Okay. So just make sure with the airlines that fly the route where you live to where you're going to be living, what the age is that you age out of the unaccompanied minor rip-off charge. As soon as your son hits 15, with most airlines, he'll be fine without having to pay that big add-on charge. Okay. As far as buying tickets, what I'd like for you to do is set up fare alerts on any airline that flies nonstop on the route that goes from where you live now to where you're going to be living, mm-hmm. how many are there that fly nonstop on that route? Um,
6: I'm not
5: sure. I, I think it's at least three, though.
1: Great. So you set up fare alerts with each of those with their website where you're emailed when they're having a, a fare sale. Okay. And then when there's a good sale, buy as many of the tickets as you can at once at the ah. at the sale fair, rather gotcha. as That's much as you idea. can afford, instead of buying them one at a time. Okay. Because, you know, the airfares go in waves, and when right. there's a, a real good sale, and you'll learn over time what a good sale is, you want to go ahead and pounce on them and buy the sale fairs.
7: Okay. That's a great idea. I will do that.
1: Okay. Well, Well,
7: thanks for your help.
1: Best of luck with your reload. I hope it's a great opportunity for you.
7: Okay, thank you, Clark.
1: Thanks. And we have a minute here, Joel. Why don't we do an Ask Clark? That's where you
2: can post a question for me, at ClarkHoward.com. Who do you have a question from, Joel? Clark, this one's from Chris. He wants to know, if a parent dies and the spouse is still alive, but the spouse's name is not on the credit card, and there's an outstanding balance, do we need to pay it? Say that again slower. So if a parent dies, sp- yes. spouse is still alive. The spouse's name is not on that credit card.
1: Oh, all right. So the spouse is not responsible for the debt except in a tiny number of states known as community property states, which I, I, there are just a, a very small number of those. You can even go to Google or any search engine, put in the state name that, uh, that the person has passed away in and put next to it community property state, and it'll pop up and let you know if it is or not. And other than community property state, the debt of one spouse is not the debt of another, and there would be no obligation of the surviving spouse. I figured it out the second
2: time you said. it. got another? Yeah, Bob wants to know, Clark, what are your thoughts on net neutrality?
1: Net neutrality is the idea that all Internet traffic should be treated without discrimination. It's hard to define how that would exactly work. It's one of those terms that's so hard to say, okay, this is exactly what that means. This became an issue because Verizon and Comcast started ruining people's Netflix experience and held Netflix ransom, and Netflix had to pay each of them a fee or else... uh, customers that were already customers of Verizon paying Verizon for internet or paying Comcast for internet could not use their internet service to watch Netflix it was an outrageous thing by both Comcast and Verizon so that's where the idea of net neutrality came about I think that if I'm already paying for internet service that I should be able to go pull any content so, if that's net neutrality, I'm in favor of that. But the difficulty in Washington is to come up with a definition that will not hamstring creativity and innovation. And that's the hard part. It's easy to talk about net neutrality, it's a hard thing to actually come up with a way to do it that would not interfere in creativity and the free market. Love to hear your questions. Go to clarkhoward.com, go to Ask Clark, and post away. Cindy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Cindy. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you. Cindy, how can I be of service to you?
8: Yes, my husband and I, uh, we have come into some money, and we are having the discussion of whether we need identity theft protection. And he believes we do, and I don't think we do, and so we kind of said, let's, see what Clark Howard has to say about that. And
1: what that. exactly do you mean by identity theft protection?
8: Well, most of our money is in a credit union and an investment accounts, and I think we we see commercials all the time that kind of uh, puts a little fear in you when you see you go to the bank and there's no money there. And I think that's what he's hearing, but it's, it's a service.
1: Okay, so this is one of those four- monthly fee things that supposedly... Yeah warns you if there's a threat to your credit yes, or, or your um, identity, they're right. not worth spending the money on. I don't recommend that you spend that money. I will tell uh, you that if your husband wants, though, to do some form of credit monitoring, the website I've told you about in the past, Credit Karma, K-A-R-M-A dot yes. com, uh, offers a free monitoring service.
6: Okay.
1: So you can do credit monitoring instead of paying for it you can make him happy by having his credit monitored for nothing and how much better can you do than nothing right that's right, right. and it's one of the things they offer there which will also allow each of you to track how you're doing with your credit for free okay so okay. i i love that as an answer uh, there's some interesting stuff going on on the issue of what happens if somebody does break into one of your financial accounts. As Mm -hmm. individuals, if somebody breaks into an account of yours at a credit union or a bank, the credit union or bank has to absorb the loss and make your account whole. If you're a business, the rules are different, but as an individual, your money's not at risk. With investment accounts, the rules are different. And it's up to each individual investment house how they treat that. And one of the bigs recently, Charles Schwab, announced that they are fully guaranteeing all the money in a customer's account. And if a customer's account is successfully compromised, Charles Schwab is going to absorb all the losses, even though the law does not require it. Oh. So the question with any investment organization is what is their stated, written policy about what they do in the account of in the event of an account breach? And mm-hmm. Charles Schwab has set a higher bar than most people in the industry follow. Okay, but doing the free credit monitoring for peace of mind is great. Paying for credit monitoring is a hundred
0: percent a waste of every penny you pay for it. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. I'm
1: glad you've joined us on the Clark Howard Show. This show is for you, about you, and your wallet. Speaking of which, a half hour from now, I want to talk about perhaps the biggest mistake people make with a 401k plan that I don't want you to follow their mistakes, and particularly the biggest of all, and I'm going to tell you what it is in just 30 minutes. Clark.com is our website. When you have a question, Clark.com slash ask. And speaking of the web, the way you connect to the web at your home is going through a radical transformation. As more and more homeowners or renters can connect to the web on these one gig offers where you get one gigabit service or is it gigabit or gigabyte whatever where you get that to your home something that was popularized by google fiber and google struck terror in the hearts of the phone companies and cable companies and they've been scrambling to offer their versions of one gig service The problem, though, is if you sign up for one of these ultra-fast services that will download a two-hour movie in three seconds and all that kind of stuff, if you sign up for one of those, you're not going to be successful getting the performance with the router you have in your home. And that has led to a revolution in how you handle the internet within your home. Historically, you'd have a modem or a gateway that was provided by your service provider or you'd buy one and hook into their system in your home and then from it, you'd have a router, wireless router, that would send a signal around your home. The problem is the existing routers just can't do the job. They cannot produce a strong enough signal to provide the level of speed and the capacity that comes in with these new, much faster internet connections. By the way, this same thing would be true at a small business, that the router you're using won't be sophisticated enough to give you the reliability and speed you need. Now, I talked last year about the pioneer that had developed a breakthrough product that could handle the enhanced speed internet connections. And it's something called Eero, E-E-R-O. And at the time I talked about Eero, I told you that it was a fortune to buy an Eero system, but that if it worked, that it was the start of a whole new way of doing business in our homes for the internet. And sure enough, Eero has proven to be that, so much so that everybody is racing to market with a system that generally the techies call wireless mesh. And you have these little pods that are about, depending on the technology you buy, they're from four inches high to a foot high. They're typically round cylinders, and you load an app onto your smartphone for whatever system you buy, Eero or Luma, or there's one from Netgear, Samsung has one, Google has one, and I have now tested, and by the way, anything I test, I refuse to accept industry handouts. I go and buy it anonymously like anybody else, use my real money, and buy it and test it. So I've now tested three of them, Eero, Luma, and Google. I've not tested the Netgear one. The Samsung one is just now shipping, and there are others as well. The competition is bringing the prices of these down and down. Some of the systems now are down the 200s. They're going to keep dropping, but what they give you is magnificent performance with extreme ease of use. You don't need a techie to set them up. So you download the app for setup to your phone android or iphone and then it takes you through a protocol where you place your first pod by the modem that comes from the the you know the cable connection or the gateway for the uh, phone company stuff and then it will tell you where to go in your home to place your second pod and then where to place your third pod and so they mesh your entire house with the same level signal everywhere to the most remote corner. If you have a very large house, you can add additional pods to cover those areas and your signal stays strong and consistent everywhere. And this fall, the prices of these will be significantly lower even than they are now. And the time to make the switch is either when your current Wi-Fi in your home is driving you crazy or at the point that you do buy faster internet service from your cable company, Google, or your phone company, whoever is available where you are, that's when you definitely need to make this switch. Matt is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi Matt, how are you doing? Great, how are you doing? Good, thank you. You were thinking of investing in real estate without having to get a call from somebody saying the toilet's broken.
7: <laughs> yeah. Um, I use a budgeting website that you've mentioned, and I like it a lot. I've been using it for five years, and they're always trying to, you know, suggest different uh, credit cards or other investment strategies. And and just recently they sent me one that was through an email, and uh, it's about an E R E I T, and I've never heard of this before. I'm not real versed on investing. I, I just that is a REIT is,
1: a re- is usually referred to as a REIT is a real estate investment trust, and yeah. it's where you pool your money with others and you invest and typically either a targeted portfolio of real estate like apartments or hotels or uh, medical buildings or could be storage units, anything, or it could be a wide REIT where you invest in many different types of things across the various types of commercial real estate.
7: Yeah, this one was regional, so you're either on the west coast, the east coast, or basically like the midwest. So, so I'm
1: not website. into I'm not into geographic targeting for a REIT, but the big okay. thing is I've just been given the the name of the one that you're looking at. It's uh-huh. not a ripoff, but it's pretty expensive to be in. Okay. I've looked at that one before. you have if I remember right, you have upfront costs of roughly three percent and then ongoing annual expenses of one and a half percent. And if you went into uh, uh, other alternatives like a a REIT fund or a REIT Mm -hmm. index fund, you'd probably end up typically with expenses where you pay nothing up front and about uh, one-tenth of a percent per year to one-fifth of a percent per year. So the thing that they're touting is a very expensive alternative way to Invest in a REIT, and I don't like it being a regional because you yeah. don't want that's that enhances your risk instead of reduces it because one yeah. part of the country could be in a slump while other parts could be okay. And so, I don't like the idea of going into in fact, I don't even like the idea of going into one narrow type of REIT investing, like apartments only or medical yeah. buildings only i like doing a wide if you're not going to invest in an individual property and manage an individual property i like for REIT investing to be widespread so go and look at the really low-cost companies that you hear me talk about okay. matt mm-hmm. like vanguard schwab fidelity t row price any of those and look at what they offer for real estate investment funds, or REITs. Okay. And it would be a whole lot cheaper way for you to do investing where you don't have to worry about the tenant not paying rent or being unhappy because the air conditioner is not working on a hot day.
7: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that's great. Thanks. I really appreciate um, your show. And I got turned on to you from a guy at work, and he really uh, touts, your show and so i've been listening pretty regularly here and and he's got everybody in his work group listening so we we really like what you're doing
1: well i appreciate that very much and go and look around at those reit funds and i think you'll be pleasantly surprised how inexpensively you can put your money to work that way just because it's cheap potentially to invest in real estate though matt doesn't mean you're going to make money So be aware of that. There's there's risk involved, meaningful risk. Oh, and I should say the best place for you to do this is inside an IRA. Okay. Because of the particulars of doing REIT investing. I know there are people who disagree with that, but I have a big bias in favor of doing REIT investing in a fund inside an IRA. Cornelius is with us. Hi, Cornelius. How are you today? I'm doing well. Clark, how are you doing? Great, thank you. You're going to go to our nation's capital.
7: Right. When are you going? The middle of May. My son is graduating and we'll need to go up probably like that. He will graduate on a Saturday. We'll go up that Thursday.
1: Well, congratulations to you and to him. Where's he graduating from?
7: Georgetown.
1: Do you know that's the only school I ever wanted to go to and they turned me down and oh, I ended up going to I ended up going to American U.
7: Okay, well, that's a great school, too.
1: Yeah, but, oh, uh, it was the arrogance of youth. The only college I applied to for admission was Georgetown. And they <laughs> turned me down, and there was a mad scramble for me to be able to go anywhere. Wow, wow. So, how can I help with this graduation trip that I never got to experience? <laughs>
7: we, uh... Trying to figure out about lodging, wanted to see what ideas you had in terms of uh the best route to go for lodging. Okay, we I'm gonna give you a about...
1: couple of suggestions. Washington okay. DC is a really good Airbnb market. Okay. Are you familiar with Airbnb?
7: Yes, on the surface.
1: So if you go to Airbnb, you will be able to rent an apartment, somebody's flat in Washington and so there won't be daily maid service or anything like that, but you'll have a kitchen. You The quality of the dwellings vary a lot. You can see uh, thorough photos, read others, reviews, and that is usually the cheapest way for a weekend stay in Washington. Okay. The other thing with Washington is that May is an exception. Most of the year, the weekends are a lot cheaper than weekday nights, Uh but not true during the graduation weekend and the time of year you have all the tourists coming up in May. So it's more difficult. But if you use Hotwire or Priceline and you want a traditional hotel, I think that will help you a lot. Okay. And I have info about how to use both of those to your best advantage at ClarkHoward.com. And again, I want to congratulate you, Cornelius, on your son going to Georgetown. Right now, instead of taking your calls, I'm going to take your questions. We have a huge number of people who've been waiting and waiting for me to answer their questions that they post called Ask Clark, that they post at ClarkHoward.com. So, Joel, let's get right to
2: it. Clark, Alexis wants to know, should you give your Social Security number to your landlord?
1: So, here's the deal with that. Your landlord, if you go to any professional landlord, and now many individual landlords will want to run a background check on you. Could be as simple as just a credit check. Could be more involved, a more thorough background check. They all start with your social security number. So it is standard and routine that you will need to give your social security number to your landlord. Your landlord should have a proper application, should explain how it will be used, And in that way, you will be able to feel safe, well safe, you'll feel okay giving that. Now TransUnion has a service, if you're dealing with an individual landlord, where you can pull your own credit report and provide that credit report to your landlord, and then the landlord would not have your social security number. That won't work, though, at a big traditional landlord.
2: Mark, Matt says, I'm wondering what you think about Ting as a non-contract cell provider. I always hear you talk about Republic, Straight Talk, T-Mobile, Cricket, but what do you think about Ting? Ting is a very complicated offering.
1: You buy packages of minutes, text, and data. So you got to be somebody who fits through those hoops, and there are people who love using Ting who are able to say, okay, I'm going to pay $3 for this each month, I'm going to pay $6 for that, I'm going to pay... 19 for that. And if you can mix, match, and live with the caps that you're imposing on yourself,
2: Ting would be great. All right. And Mojo says, uh, Why do people say pay back the credit card with the highest interest rate? First, shouldn't you take into account the balance, too? Wouldn't a small interest rate on a very high balance be more expensive than a high interest rate on a low balance? For instance, wouldn't it make a lot more sense to pay off $10,000 at of 20% versus $10 at 50%? Is there something I'm missing here?
1: Well, actually, the deal is is that if you have a big pile of cash to throw at something, you want to throw it at the highest interest rate card, whatever's left, throw at the next highest interest rate card and on like that, because you want to get the most efficient use of your dollars. If you looked at it that, well, I can pay... Uh, all this money towards this big balance at a low interest rate, but this other one has this small balance at a high interest rate, that's not really a fair comparison because if you have the available cash to pay a bill, you're going to throw it at, if you do it my way, you throw it at the one with the highest rate, the next card, the next card, till you run out of cash. The most efficient use of your money is to throw your first dollar at the highest rate card appreciate all the ask clarks we're doing trying to do as well as we can getting to more and more of those
2: i'm john horn i'm the host of geffen playhouse unscripted i'm here with our very first guest rain wilson
0: hi john looks like i'm the first guest on the geffen unclothed unscripted Unscripted. Yeah, let's
1: go with that. A uh, marriage made in
2: heaven, I guess. Or Westwood.
1: Tune in for some of our exciting upcoming guests David Copperfield, Neil Labute, Neil Patrick Harris, Josh Gad, Rita Wilson, and many more. Be sure to
2: download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app and on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. And, and I'm Rain are- Wilson, the first guest. You were no, the very first this
0: guest. This was a huge uh, mistake. And Playhouse Unscripted. Huge mistake. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast.
1: Thanks for joining us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you earning ways to keep more of what you make. Our bargain site, our deal site, clarkdeals.com. You like to save money? Check it out. Clark.com is our regular website, and I have a big bias. We all approach life with uh, each day with prejudices and biases. Some we're aware of, some we're blind to. There's one that I am a hundred percent self-aware about, and that is my extreme desire to live on less than what I make. I save an extraordinary amount of my pay, roughly. of my after-tax pay. That's extreme, right? But I am an extreme saver. And from when I was very young, right out of grad school, I learned to live on every other paycheck. So for me, the idea of saving money has been nearly a lifelong pursuit that you live on less than what you make. But for us as Americans, we are culturally wired To be spenders so we have to always fight the instinct of spending to save for most of us and a lot of people might be good at putting money into a 401k at work if you have one made available to you but then things will happen in your life and you go the wrong direction there are two key wrong directions I want to talk about First is when you change jobs, wiping out your 401k, typically around a third of people who change a job wipe out their 401k. They just say, give me a check. And then you pay 10% federal penalty, ordinary income tax, and if you live in a state with a state tax, state tax as well. The average taxpayer ends up paying somewhere around 46 cents on the dollar in taxes and penalties when you say, I want to cash out my 401k. And then not only have you wiped out almost half of the money you had accumulated, but then you don't have the money saved for retirement. So when you change jobs... Because today people, it's not an if, it's a when people change jobs. Leave your 401k be under the law unless you have a tiny balance in it. You can leave the money behind and then you won't be tempted to take it and spend it and have to pay the tax. At your new employer, if you love the 401k, you can then have the money go right from the old plan to your new employer's plan and the money's there for you. The other thing that people do in big numbers is borrow from a 401k plan. And I've heard it over and over again. As people have said to me when they've called and wanted me to bless them, taking a loan against 401k plan, I'm borrowing from myself and I'm paying myself back. But there's new data out from Boston College, the alma mater of our producer Krista, so it's got to be right, that says that on average the typical person who takes a 401k loan will end up in retirement with 25% less money overall to live on. That the loan loses you time and market, that your money can grow and grow. And instead, you're in timeout. A lot of employers won't let you contribute to your 401k while you have that outstanding loan. You've got to pay that loan back. You've got to pay interest on that loan. Yes, it's to yourself. But you're putting yourself into reverse and then into a holding pattern for the years until your loan's paid back and your retirement funds... Never recover. So remember those two things. Number one, never, never, not ever liquidate your 401k plan when you change jobs. And two, it's got to be the last, last, last resort for you to borrow from your 401k plan. I think about any time... I ever have to say to somebody when they ask me about borrowing from their 401k plan and I have to say well yeah in your case it makes sense but I hate even having to admit it because the truth is almost never is it the right move. Mary is with us. Hi Mary how are you?
8: Hi fine thank you thanks for taking my call. Sure Mary. I have a a propane question. We have propane for heat in our home. And the propane company came and they delivered their 750 gallons and oh. gave us a bill of 2,200. Oh. Yeah,
1: <laughs> is that brutal? People don't understand who who uh, heat a home with electricity or natural gas. What it's like getting that massive bill all right in one fell swoop.
8: It's horrible. So, anyway, we called them because we've been with them for years, and they gave us a break. They gave us $300 off. But since then, they've been, even though she said it was in her notes, since then they've been sending us a bill for a balance on paid, which was actually their discount. So... Are you
1: answering that in writing, or are you just calling, Mary? No,
8: it was just in a call, but she does say she has it in her notes, because I called up and they said that it was in their notes, don't worry about it, (laughs) but the bill kept coming, but on top of that, this is my bigger question, this is all the same company, I called them and said, you know, take me off of your automatic delivery because we just paid you $2,500, and I don't want you just to come and drop another bill off. I really can't afford it. I will call you when I need propane. So I was going out to go to church on Sunday, and don't you think the propane man came and I caught him as he was leaving? And he came up and, again, topped my tank off and left me a bill for $1,200.
1: Now, what happened when you told the propane man that you were not supposed to be on an automatic refill program? He said,
8: he said that wasn't in my notes, and I was in the area, and I knew a storm was coming, and you were, you know, as far as my notes said, you were due in another three weeks, which is true. They would have come another th- in three weeks, but still we only got 300 gallons so we didn't really need it
1: for people who aren't familiar with what you and i are talking about when you when you have a propane tank at your home Mm -hmm. you are either on an automatic program where they come and they check on a on a route kind of like in the old days when people delivered milk and they'd come and they'd see um they take a reading on your tank and they top it off usually to 90 percent capacity is what's commonly done And then you're automatically billed to a credit card or they come to the door with a bill or whatever it is. Or you're on a thing where you request a delivery and a number of gallons. Mm -hmm. So the problem is now they've delivered it. Right. You didn't want it. And now it's sitting in the ground at your house. So, again, you have only talked to them. You Mm -hmm. need to send them a letter. And I'm, I know this is unfriendly, but you need to send it by certified mail
8: mm-hmm.
1: laying out both scenarios that you, that you told me about mm-hmm. so that in the one case, you get them to address the credit that the person keeps telling you they know you're supposed to have but you don't have. And yeah. the second thing is the financial hardship that's been created for you by them topping off the tank when you did not request automatic refill. Okay. Or that you that you had told them to take you off yes. the automatic refill list. Yes. So, but it's important that and and there's nothing wrong with being friendly in the letter. In fact, mm-hmm. it's it's important to be friendly, but you need it sent by certified mail, which is an unfriendly method of delivery. So, there's no question what you have told them and what the instructions are.
8: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, what would be reasonable? is if you were going to buy the gallons in three weeks anyway, that they, they give you three weeks to pay the bill?
8: Mm-hmm. Would that help you? Well, it would, but truthfully, we wanted to get away from that company anyway because they're very, very high. Okay. So that's why one of the reasons we got off the automatic delivery is because we were hoping just to keep going down. Have you
1: found another company like, yet? Yes. Well, then you tell them that you need a discount down to the rate that the company you have switched to would have charged you, because Clark. otherwise they're being unjustly enriched is the wording you should use. They're being unjustly enriched by charging you a cost that is significantly higher per uh, unit of propane than what you would have paid with the other company. And Violet is with us. Hello, Violet. How are Hi. you? Hi,
6: it's Clark thank you for taking my call my pleasure uh i listen to you and i'm a first-time caller but uh oh it's been some time ago i guess last year year before i had heard you talking about the eyeglasses you know what website that i could get them real cheap on
1: i do now i will tell you of the things i've talked about on the air Uh the people in the uh, eyeglass industry doctors opticians have just been incensed with me about this (laughs) but you know it's up to you if you want to do it i can tell you i've been thrilled with the glasses that i have gotten extra cheap i have ordered mine from zenny optical zenny z-e-n-n-i they now have several competitors zenny if you need single vision lenses and frames you pay eight dollars plus shipping
6: well, I have, uh, you know, the bifocals. And I bifocals.
1: Progressive. I wear progressive lenses. Yeah, that's what I want. All right. Now, mine were 30 something dollars
6: Oh, that's okay.
1: Oh, that's not too
6: much? No, that's okay. because what I can get now is like $159 for one pair. Oh,
1: okay. Well, then 30 is a lot better.
6: Yes, yes. Z-E-N-N-I, the E-N-N-I. Right,
1: right. And I don't see the other one that I used to mention. Oh, so. okay. do you yeah. go to the website, uh-huh. you have to have your prescription with you. I got it. Mm-hmm. And they'll walk you through, and you you can, r- if you really run the glasses up, I heard from somebody recently that they managed to spend $65 oh, wow. on a pair of glasses at Zenni, and mm-hmm. I can't figure out how they ever managed to spend that much money.
6: Wow, okay. And
1: they were excited, so I didn't say, how did yeah, you spend well that much money? Because to them, from what they paid before, huh. that was so cheap.
6: Well, I paid $89 last year, and I had them a month, and I lost them.
1: Oh, no. So well, well, I'll give you a suggestion on that okay. One of my t v producers loses her glasses all the time, mm-hmm. so every time she orders from Zenny, she gets six pair at a time, <laughs> okay. and if she loses them, she can cycle through pretty far before she loses all half dozen uh-huh. by the time the- she gets through the last of the half dozen. It's time for her to have her eyes checked again and have a new prescription Right. Written.
6: Well, you know what I did when I lost mine? I went ahead and went to the flea market and got them for 99 cents, and I got a pair for reading and a pair for long distance, or, you know, for distance.
1: Well, that is uh, it, that worked for you, but when's the last time you had your eyes checked? I just had it done last week. That oh, great, great. I just wanted to make sure that when you go to fill a prescription that time slips away, that you've had your eyes checked recently, and always ask the eye doctor for your pd your pupillary distance because you need that number when you go to fill in a prescription online travis is with us on the clark howard show hi travis hey clark how are you doing i'm having a great day thank you and you are asking about one of my favorite places on planet earth
4: that's good to hear Uh, me and my wife were wanting to go to hawaii and uh we were Trying to see what was the best way of going about doing it, because I looked online at just tickets to go there, like in October, and it was $1,400, pretty much for two people round trip.
1: So there's been a lot of price competition with Hawaii lately, Mm -hmm. and a lot of it has specifically been for flights from West Coast airports to Hawaii. Okay. Are you an East Coaster?
4: Yes, I'm an East
1: Coaster. All right, so for you, what I've been recommending for anybody in the Midwest or the eastern half of the country is buy a a ticket to the West Coast and then a separate ticket from the West Coast to Hawaii. And October, you said October, right?
4: Uh, we're not real rigid on the date. I'm just trying. I thought it'd be less busy that time of yeah, year.
1: Yeah, the, so I mean, the fall is definitely a deal time of year.
4: Okay. To I've, go I've to, heard that. I wasn't sure.
1: go to Hawaii. And going from the West Coast markets, there's just been one bargain after another after another. If you have the flexibility, then I've got some work I'd like you to do to find the best deal okay all right the cheapest tickets to hawaii of all have been on the deep discounter allegiant all right uh the most service to hawaii is on hawaiian airlines and they on their website show you what deals they have to each of the hawaiian islands from various airports in the western part of the united states And there may be, like, one day there may be a great deal from Oakland, and the next week there may be a great deal from Las Vegas, and the next week there might be one from Phoenix. So if you follow the deals over the water and then back into your ticket to get from the East Coast to the West Coast, whatever the West Coast departure point is, that's how you'll get the cheapest fare.
4: Okay. Um, uh, One thing I forgot to mention is my father-in-law retired from an airline, and we can get buddy passes from him perhaps would that be a viable option or not really because it's so hard to it's to so hard
1: him? you know getting within the the continental us using buddy passes is mm-hmm. not that difficult but if you get stranded in hawaii and you have to get back to work and there's so few flights a day you could end up stranded for several days as i've heard from people in the past and then if you end up having to buy a one way ticket back to the mainland that could be pretty and that will not a happy event for you
4: the thing i was thinking is maybe from the hub because the airline he worked for the hubs where i'm at to the west coast oh yeah
1: yeah then using as long as you give yourself enough time to get to the west coast if it takes you a few flights to get that booking yes then you're really doing great because you're getting to the west coast for nothing Yeah. Or just a small service fee, and then you've got the cheap ticket from the West Coast to Hawaii. Everybody has their favorite Hawaiian island? Yeah. My favorite is the big island on the Kona Coast. Um, A lot of people prefer going to Kauai or Maui. Maui is the busiest of the big vacation-centric islands.
4: All right. So Maui, you said the big Kona Coast is what you like. I think so. (laughs) go with your advice on that they got coffee there don't they oh yeah yeah that's pretty awesome
1: and it's a uh, any of the hawaiian islands are really great except i'm not a honolulu guy i've been to honolulu and if i never went to honolulu again as long as i lived that would be just fine with me but everywhere else i've been i love
0: Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastONE.com.
2: Hi, I'm Clay Smith, host of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews, the podcast for book lovers interested in interviews with best-selling authors, insider scoop on the hottest releases, reading ideas for book clubs and bibliophiles, and even tips about which books to skip all together. So be sure to download new episodes of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews every Tuesday. You can get it on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes, and don't forget to rate, review, and share
6: What we're learning about the Manchester bomber, I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber.
5: The actual family that had been there, I'd I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, they never seemed to speak back to you. It was just like kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it.
6: The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this
2: morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.